Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning once again and welcome to Journey. I hope everybody is doing well today. It's good to see you and be with you on this Sunday. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Will. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, I've actually only been on staff for about eight months now. Uh, Been on staff uh, since September of 2020, so about eight months now. And I've, man, I've loved, I've loved being on staff here. I love the staff that I get to work with every single day. I love our church. I love the people. Uh, I love our city. I love Augusta, Uh, especially this week. If you're a golf fan, there's no better week to, to be from Augusta than, than, than on Masters Week, Masters Sunday today. And even if you're not a golf fan, like that's okay, you had spring break. And so uh, just a good week all around, and I hope your weekend's been great. I hope today is going to get even better for you, but I uh, bet I do. I love Augusta. Uh, I'm not originally from Augusta. I'm actually from a small town in South Carolina, about an hour from here, called Saluda, South Carolina. That's where I'm from. That's where I was born. That's where I was raised. I grew up there on my parents' farm. Uh, Tractors, hay bales, mud puddles, chickens, all the things. Tractor pulls come on somebody. Uh, That's how I swear. My mom and dad still live there today. It's where most of my family still live. And so being from there, at the heart of who I am, man, I am just a down-home country boy that is just straight off the farm. That is who I am. Uh, don't laugh. Oh, don't laugh. I, listen, I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there thinking, I, the accent lines up, but, uh, but those skinny jeans and those tennis shoes do not scream straight off the farm. Uh, I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there thinking, that is a grown man in skinny jeans. And I don't know if I can trust somebody who thinks pointing their toes to put on their pants is a good idea. I, I know what you're thinking. Don't, don't judge me. I've got boots at the house. They only come up to my ankles and they have zippers on the side of them, but don't judge me. I've got boots nonetheless. But yeah, that's who I am. Just country, straight off the farm. It's just, it's who I am. And, and, and here's the deal. Like, man, knowing who you are, that's, that's a big deal. Knowing who you are, feeling secure in who you are, feeling secure in your identity, it is extremely valuable. I think you and I would all agree that, that feeling secure in your identity, knowing who you are, it shapes so many aspects, if not every single aspect of your life. It's so important. It's why we're here at Journey in the middle of a series called Identity because it is of the utmost importance for people to know who they are, how, where, where, where their identity comes from. And to feel secure in that. But here's my question. If identity is so important, if identity is so important and it's so valuable and it shapes so much of of who we are and what our lives are about, why is it that so many of us struggle to actually feel secure in our identity? Why is it that so many of us feel uncomfortable and unsettled in our own skin, unsure of who we really are? Have you noticed this in our culture today? Have you noticed the identity crisis that we're wrestling with in culture today? So many people are struggling to feel secure in who they are. They struggle to know where they stand in their identity. It's a a struggle that we're facing in culture today. And and I think there are some reasons for it. I think think there's a lot of reasons for it. I think think for a lot of times, I think the struggle stems from the fact that we've allowed our identity to be hijacked. 
We've allowed our identity to be hijacked. We have, we have allowed we have allowed our identity to be defined by situations and by circumstances and oftentimes by people who were never meant to help shape who we are. We've allowed situations and circumstances and we've allowed people to define us who were never really meant to define us. I think one of the things that we struggle with regarding our identity is I think a lot of times we, we lean into what we do and we lean into what we have experienced to define us. And the tension that we wrestle with when, when we lean into what we do is that whenever you lean into what you do to define you, it means that you're leaning into your own ability. It means that you're leaning into your own strength. It means that you're leaning into your goodness, your generosity, your career, your success, your ability to perform, your ability to succeed. It may be, maybe you're leaning into your church attendance to define who you are. And the problem that we face is that when one of those things do not pan out or when none of them pan out, you're left feeling lost because you are banking on your ability to define who you are and your ability is limited and it will eventually let you down. My wife and I, we have, we have three kids. Uh, Aiden is our oldest, Silas is our middle one, and in London, she is our youngest. And, and Silas, he, he's our middle one. He's 12 years old. But, but Silas, he, he loves baseball, loves it, absolutely loves baseball. Uh, started playing baseball when he was four years old, and I love baseball. I played from the time I was four all the way through middle school, high school. I played some college ball, so I love baseball. And so the moment that I could sign Silas up for four-year-old baseball, man, I was excited. We were in the backyard, and we were working on it. We were fielding, and we were hitting, and we were throwing, and I was excited, and I was speaking all kind of things over him, just telling him who he was going to be in the sport. Silas, you are going to be amazing. You are going to be the greatest baseball baseball player the world has ever seen. You are going to set records. You're going to be in the Hall of Fame. You are going to help me and your mom retire. I mean, it's going to be incredible. So we're working on it. And then the day of his first game arrives. And we, he gets, man, he gets in the batter's box. And I'm, you know, I'm that dad. I'm all excited. And Silas is in the batter's box. And the coach tosses the first pitch to him underhanded. And Silas absolutely just crushes it, you know, as, as much as a four-year-old can. And, and I lost my mind. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to be amazing. He's going to be amazing. And all the other parents are telling me to calm down. I'm like, you hush, it's my kid. And I look at my boy, my record setter, my future Hall of Famer. He crushes it and he tears out of the batter's box and he runs to third. <laughs> he runs to third. And I'm sitting there thinking like, what is first about third, son? Absolutely nothing. Do you not remember anything we worked on? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say that in that moment, what he did in that moment is not what we were hoping for in that moment. But what do you think we did? Do you think that we allowed what he did in that moment to determine who he could be or who he could become in the sport of baseball? No. We, we just went home and we, and we worked more and we practiced more. And, you know, we, we, we hit some more, and we fielded some more, and Lord knows we worked on base running. <laughs> and, and now, from 4 years old to 12 years old, he's, he's like a lot of kids his age. He plays travel ball now, and Silas is actually a pretty good little baseball player. And, and proud dad moment. Now, anytime my boy runs the third, it's just because he rounded second. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But the reality is, is, that, is that who you are is never determined by what you do. 
Who you are is never determined by what you do. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 8, it says that everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. What it's teaching us is that you and I, in and of our own ability, you and I, in and of our own strength, there is nothing that you and I can do in and of ourselves to find contentment because you, what you and I have the ability to do in and of ourselves, it is limited and inconsistent and imperfect at best. And your strength will run out. Your wisdom will run out. Your patience will run out. You cannot lean into your ability to define who you are. Another thing that we struggle with regarding our identity is is oftentimes our identity gets hijacked because we allow our identity to be defined by how we feel about ourselves in a particular season of life or in a moment. And here's what you need to know about your feelings. Your feelings are always real. They're just not always right. Your feelings are always real, but they're just not always right. And you cannot lean into how you feel about yourself in a particular moment to define who you are because how you feel in this moment will be different than how you feel in the next moment. Feelings, they come and they go. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. Are you here today and you feel sad and you feel lonely? Hold on. Like tomorrow's coming. Are you here today and you feel happy and you feel satisfied? Hold on. Like tomorrow's coming. You 18-year-olds with your high metabolism that can eat whatever it is that you want to eat and never gain a pound, hold on. Tomorrow is coming. You cannot lean into how you feel to determine how you see yourself. Feelings, they come and go. You will never feel secure if you're trying to find security in feelings and in emotions that are ever-shifting and ever-changing. James chapter 1, verse 6 says it this way. It says that be sure that your faith is in God alone. It doesn't say be sure that your faith is in what you have the ability to do. It doesn't say be sure that your faith is in how you feel right now in this moment. It says, be sure that your faith is in God alone. It says, do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Cannot be defined by how we feel because how we feel changes from moment to moment, from season to season. Another tension that we wrestle with regarding our identity is the result of us allowing the words of other people to determine how we see ourselves. If they see me this way, or if this is what they say about me, it's what they think about me, that must mean that's that's who I am. And I have a really simple way of addressing this. I, I, I say it this way. I say it this way. Is that no one has the ability to name you unless they made you. This is why whenever Suzanne and I had our three kids, and we were naming our three kids. That's why we didn't let anybody else have any input as to what we named them. We've got some weird names in our family. And so if I'd have given somebody else permission to name my kids, who knows what we'd be calling them today? Who knows? So I have a really simple philosophy. You didn't make them, you don't name them. That's just how I see it. 
And you cannot allow the words of other people to define who you are. Here's what you need to know. you, You need to know that your value does not decrease because of someone else's inability to recognize worth. Just because somebody else does not see the value inside of you, it does not mean that you are not valuable. It doesn't mean that you're not valuable. And why would you ever allow the words of someone who did not create you, the words of someone who did not breathe life into your lungs, someone who does not have the authority to name you or to label you, why would you allow the words of that person to define how you see yourself? You see, all too often we, we conform. We conform who we are to the circumstances that we find ourselves in or to the words of of other people. But Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, he says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. Because if if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. You see, we cannot allow ourselves to conform to to to, to to the words and to the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Paul, again, in Romans chapter 12, he tells us, he says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's perfect will is. What Paul is teaching us, he's teaching us that the world has a pattern. The world has a way of doing things. The world has a way of handling situations. The world has a way of treating people. You know, you, you've heard it said, well, you know, that's just how it goes. Or, or that, man, that's just, it's just, it, it just is what it is. See, the world wants you to conform to its pattern. And conformity occurs whenever pressure is applied from the outside and you take the shape of everything around you, culture, career, success, the words of other people. But God is not about conformity. God is all about transformation. And the word transform in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek, is the same as the word metamorphosis. And the word metamorphosis describes a change that takes place from within. You see, God is all about you being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit that he desperately wants to see come alive inside of you rather than you being conformed to the outside pressures that's being applied to you by the circumstances and by the people that are around you. God doesn't want you to be conformed to outside pressure because whenever you give into that, whenever you lean into that, everything that you've ever wanted your life to be and to become, it will fall flat and it will fail. And you will be left feeling unfulfilled and unsatisfied because you are leaning into a limited and a flawed outside influence to provide you with something that only God can establish and build up within you. God's desire is that you would allow him, the one who created you, the one who made you, the one who breathed life into your lungs, God's desire is that you would allow him to shape who you are, allow him to define who you are, allow him to determine how you see yourself and what your identity is. 
That's his desire. Because whenever you lean into that truth, everything that you've ever wanted your life to be, all the hopes and the dreams that you have for this life, everything that you ever thought would be impossible is all of a sudden made possible because now in Christ you are leaning into the the unlimited power and the unlimited presence of a God who loves you and is working inside of you to accomplish all things. And whenever you lean into the presence and the power of God through his Holy Spirit living within you, there is nothing that could ever come against you that would overcome you. And there's nothing that you could never accomplish, not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is inside of you. God wants the impossible to be made possible in your life. You were made to be possible. But in order for what's possible to become reality in your life, who you are has to be built on what God says about you and who he's called you and created you to be. And whenever you look into God's word, who he's called you to be, what he's calling us to, who he's calling us to be, is really very clear. And not only is it very clear, it's extremely powerful. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, just simply says, God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be holy. That's who God wants you to be. That's who God wants me to be. And I know we see that word holy and it's intimidating and, and I understand, but I mean, it, but let's be real. It's only intimidating because we've attached a definition to that word that doesn't have anything to do with what it actually means. We hear the word holy and we think, man, God wants me to be blameless. God wants me to be perfect. God wants me to be without fault. And it intimidates us because there's no way that you and I could do anything to live up to the definition of that word and what God is wanting us to be. But that is not at all what the word means. The word holy in Greek is the word ayi. And ayi simply means to be set apart for purpose. That's what God wants you to be. God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be set apart for a purpose. God doesn't want you conforming to the pattern of the world. He wants you to be set apart from the world. Not because he's trying to withhold anything from you, but because he's trying to give you everything. He's everything he has for you. It's not about saying no to everything that the world has to offer. It's about saying yes to the best thing that God has for you. God wants you to be set apart for purpose. That means that whenever you make the decision to follow Jesus, you don't look like everyone else. You don't sound like everyone else. You don't do what everyone else does. It means you don't go where everyone else goes. It means you do not find your values and your identity in the same places that everybody else finds their values and their identity. God wants you to be set apart from all of that for a purpose. And whenever you can wrap your mind and your heart around this, it gives us the ability, it gives us the confidence to like find some rest and some confidence in some truths about who we are and about what God wants for us that you can carry with you today and every single day as you try to navigate life. And, and the first truth that we can find confidence in today is it, it's surrounding your purpose. You can find confidence in the truth of knowing that you were created on purpose with a purpose. You're created on purpose with a purpose. Bottom line, you were made for this moment. You were made for every moment. You were made for this moment. Every single moment 
of every single day is an opportunity for you to be a part of something so much larger than yourself. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that for we are God's masterpiece. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You were made for this moment. You were made for every single moment. Every single moment of every single day, you have an opportunity to be a part of something so much larger than yourself. Every single day, you have an opportunity to do what's right. You have an opportunity to do what's good. You have an opportunity to be encouraging to someone else. You have an opportunity to be kind. You have an opportunity to be compassionate. You have an opportunity to serve other people. Every single moment of every single day is an opportunity for you to be the difference in a situation. Every single moment of every single day is an opportunity for you to make a difference in the lives of other people. The rally cry of your life, the rally cry of my life just simply needs to be, I was made for this. It doesn't matter what's in front of me, I was made for this. It doesn't matter what I face, I was made for this. It doesn't matter what comes against me. I was made for this. God has called me to be holy, which means to be set apart for purpose. That's who I am. Therefore, this is what I will do. You see, understanding who you are in Christ, it will lead you into what you should do. You were created on purpose, with a purpose. You were made for this moment. Another truth that we can find some rest in, we can find some confidence in today, is knowing that is that you have everything you need. You have everything that you need. You see, whenever you allow God to define who you are, whenever you allow the words that God speaks over you to shape how you see yourself, it means, it means that the same spirit that was alive and working in the life of Jesus is now the same spirit that is alive and working inside of you. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. You see, people used to only experience the power and the presence of God whenever they went to the temple. Because the temple is where the presence and the power of God resided. But for you and I today, that's no longer the case. Through Jesus, through his death and his resurrection that we just celebrated last weekend on Easter, through Jesus and his death and his resurrection, the presence and the power of God no longer reside in a temple that's made of brick and stone. For you and I, the presence of God, the power of God now lives in the hearts and in the lives of everyone who places their faith in Jesus. Which means that wherever you go, the Spirit of God is with you. Whatever you face, the Spirit of God is with you. Not only is He with you, but His power is in you and it's working through you to accomplish more than you could ever wrap your mind around. It's working in you and it's working through you so that nothing that ever comes against you will have the power to overcome you and you will have the opportunity and the power to do anything that it is that you set your mind to do for the glory of God. Not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is inside of you. You have everything that you need. Philippians 2.13 says that it is God who works in you. It's not your ability. It's not your feelings. It's not, it's not what other people say. It is God who works in you. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This means that you don't have to walk through life feeling like you don't have what it takes. Anybody ever feel like that? 
I just, I just don't have what it takes. I just don't have it in me. When you allow God to shape who you are, when you allow God to define who you are and how you see yourself, you don't have to feel that way. Because it's God that's working inside of you. And you can walk through this life and you can rest in the truth of knowing and find confidence in the fact that that I have everything I need. You're created on purpose, with a purpose. You have everything that you need. And lastly, we can find we find we find some confidence in the in the truth of knowing that that you can do so much more. You can do more than you think you can. You can accomplish more than you think you can. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 37 says that who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution? or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And verse 37 says that no, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What a powerful thing to say about us. We are more than conquerors, or more literally translated, we are super conquerors in Christ. Meaning that no matter what we face, no matter what comes against us, Jesus, because of his love for us and his work in us, he will give us victory on top of victory on top of victory. It means that you and I, we no longer have to fear life. We no longer have to fear death. We don't have to fear the past, the present, or what's to come because of the promise that we have Jesus living inside of us and he will give us victory on top of victory. And this is not a promise that comes with a condition. It's not a promise that says, if you do this, God will do this. No, the promise that God is with us and working for us and working through us, it is a secure promise. It's an established fact. And to be more than a conqueror means that whatever battle that you are facing, before you even set foot on the battlefield, the battle has been won. You don't have to fear what's coming against you because what's coming against you has already been defeated because of the power of God living inside of you. To be more than a conqueror means that you and I, we no longer have to fight and scratch and claw to gain position, to gain title, to gain ground. We no longer have to fight and scratch and claw for victory because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done for us and because of his work in us. You and I, we now get to fight from a place of victory. And whenever whenever you are fighting from a place of victory, it means, it, means that, it means that a new confidence can rise up inside of you that gives you the ability to step out and do what you never thought you could do. It means that a faith rises up inside of you to step out and attempt things that you never thought possible. It means that the impossible things in your life are now made possible through faith in who Christ is and his power at work inside of you. If you study the life of Jesus... And I think that you should study the life of Jesus, study the teaching of Jesus. You'll notice that Jesus never really focuses on what people do. He never really focuses on what people have the ability to do or what they've accomplished. He, he doesn't focus on how they feel about themselves in a particular moment. And, and he certainly doesn't care what other people have said about people. 
what Jesus focuses on most is he focuses on, he focuses on integrity and he focuses on character and he focuses on calling. And oftentimes, anytime Jesus does address what people have or what they have the ability to do or what they've accomplished, he oftentimes invites them to leave it all behind so that they can discover who they really are through following him. And in Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 through 18, we find Jesus having a conversation with one of his followers, a man named Simon. And Simon, if you read about him, Simon is, is, is pretty famous for speaking before he thinks. He's pretty well known for acting before he thinks. He's pretty well known for putting his foot in his mouth. Simon and I have a lot in common. Simon oftentimes finds himself getting in trouble and having to have Jesus bail him out. But in this conversation, Jesus asks him a question. He says, who do you say that I am? And Simon answered, you... You are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. You hear that? Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is not revealed to you by what you have the ability to do. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because this has not been revealed to you by how you feel in this moment. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this has not been revealed to you by what other people have said to you. He says, no. It's been to reveal to you by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus asked Simon what seems to be a a simple question oh but it's so much more than that not only for Simon but for you and for, for me as well he says who do you say that I am and here's why that's so important it's because who Jesus is to you will determine who you become who do you say that I am Because your response to that question will determine who it is that you become. And Simon, he says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. You see, Simon had developed a relationship with Jesus. And out of that relationship with Jesus, he had come into a full understanding of who Jesus truly was. And out of that understanding, Jesus then in turn says says to Simon, Your name was Simon. But I tell you today that now your name is Peter. And the name Peter means rock. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. You see, Simon had developed a relationship with Jesus that gave him full understanding as to who Jesus was. And whenever he gained a full understanding as to who Jesus was, Jesus was then in turn able to help Simon understand who he truly was. His name was no longer Simon. His name was Peter. You see, Jesus first gave gave Peter his identity, and then he set him out to do what he'd been called to do which was ultimately to spread the gospel across the world, establish the church, and change the world as we know it. 
Simon discovered who he was in Christ. And who he was in Christ gave him the boldness. It gave him the confidence. It gave him the faith. It gave him the courage to step out and do what seemed impossible. Simon, a fisherman, uneducated, foul mouth, did the impossible. Not because of who he was, but because of who Jesus was, because who Jesus said he was, and because of what Jesus had called him to do. You see, what we can learn from Peter is, is that a relationship with Jesus it reveals identity. And identity reveals purpose. Relationship with Jesus reveals identity and identity reveals purpose. You see, too many of us today, we find it difficult to find security in who we are. We find it difficult to to find security and to feel confident in what our life has the ability to become, oftentimes because we have allowed ourselves to be defined by situations and by circumstances and by people who were never meant to define us. And maybe you're here today and you feel unsettled about who you are. Maybe you're wrestling with your identity. And maybe it's because you've become consumed with defining who you are based on what you have the ability to do and you've been operating in your own strength and today you're just running out of strength and you're tired or maybe today you're here and you're struggling to feel secure in who you are and feeling a little bit lost and and who God's created you to be and called you to be because you are allowing how you feel about yourself in this particular season of life to to define you. And it's got you feeling paralyzed. Like you can't move forward. Or maybe you're here today and you, you feel unsettled in who you are because you've allowed the words of other people who don't have the authority to name you or to label you You've allowed their words and their thoughts and their opinions to shape your identity. And you're here today and you're you're lost in it all. And you feel unworthy and you feel you feel like you just can't can't go on, can't move forward. And all the while you feel like this, the enemy is the enemy is saying to you. The enemy is just feeding you these lies that you don't have what it takes. The enemy is telling me that you are the learning learning disability that you have. You are the failed marriage that you went through. You are the financial struggle that you can't seem to overcome. You are the mistake that God can't use. The dreams that you have for your life, they are impossible. And while the enemy is saying these things over you, I need you to know that there is a God in heaven that is declaring over you, no, that's not who you are. You're loved and you're forgiven and you have purpose. I sent my son to the earth to die for you. That's how much I love you. I've called you by name. 
You are more than a conqueror. You are set apart for purpose. And you can do more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine if you would just stop conforming to the pattern of the world and finding your identity in things that were never meant to define you. Find your identity in me. I'm the one who created you. I'm the one who made you. I'm the one who breathed life into your lungs. Allow me to shape who you are and how you see yourself and watch what I can do through you. You feel unsettled about who you are? Struggling to find your identity. Struggling to to see what your life has the ability to become. It's all wrapped up in, in the same question that Jesus asked Peter. Who do you say that I am? So I ask you today, Who is Jesus to you? Because who Jesus is to you, it'll determine who you become. And who you become ultimately determines what you will do and what your life has the ability to do, to be, and to accomplish. Amen. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, we love you today. And we're grateful for you today. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to not only die for us, but to be be raised back to life for us, proving that he has power over sin, over death, and over hell. He has the power over all of the things that have been holding us back and holding us down in our lives up to this point. And Father, today I pray that identity would no longer be found in what we have the ability to do. Pray that identity is no longer found in our strength, in our goodness, in our generosity. But Because what we have to offer is limited and it's flawed and it's inconsistent and imperfect. God, I pray that today Identity is no longer found in how you feel about your and how they feel about themselves. Father, today people need to know that they are not the depression that they're battling. God, help them to know that they are not the anxiety that they can't seem to overcome. God, I pray that today that identity is no longer found in the words of other people. God, today I break in the name of Jesus those, those thoughts. And today, Father, we receive identity from you. God, allow who you are and what you say about us to define us and to shape how we see ourselves and what we have the ability to do and to accomplish in this life that you've given us. Today, as we continue to pray with just heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around, I wonder if there's anybody in here today that would say, uh, that's, that's me. I've been finding my identity and I've, being, I've been being defined by all of the things and by all of the people that were never meant to define me. And today, I want my identity to be found in Christ. 
Today, I want my identity to be found in who God is and in what he's done for me and his power at work inside of me. And I want to give my life to Jesus today so that I no longer have to feel insecure in who I am today in Christ. I want to feel secure in who I am so that I can move forward through this life with with confidence, knowing, knowing who I am in Christ. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to look at me. Just you can just, if that's you, if you want to give your life to Jesus right now and find some peace and find some rest and find confidence and security in who Jesus has created and called you to be, and you want to give your life to Jesus right now, just simply just just I want you to just pray this prayer with me. You can pray it to yourself. Because the Bible tells us that that if we believe with our if we if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, He is faithful and just to save us and to set us free. And so that's you. You want to give your life to Jesus right now. Just simply pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for for giving your son to us. Thank you for allowing him to die for me and to be raised back to life. Father, today, I give my life to you in return. Help me to find my identity in who you say I am. Thank you for saving me and setting me free. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.